Hello. Hi. Hello, humans. Yeah. Welcome Hello. to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of TheVerge.com. The Vergecast is brought to you by Scissor Vodka, which is a vodka brand that I made up. And then I'm going what, to just what shamelessly can you do with Scissor Vodka and cut through the night. You know, we still haven't opened this bottle of Scissor Vodka. Someone sent me a tweet and said there's a there's another beverage brand. I believe it's Sprite that's running ads in Miami that say cut through the heat. Ooh. Which is just not good. It's like I mean, I, I recognize that everybody listens to the Vergecast, everyone in the entire world, <laughs> and they mine us ruthlessly for ideas, but come on, Sprite. Anyhow, uh, this is Vergecast. I'm Yana Patel, the editor in chief of the Verge. Joined by Dieter Baum. Hello. Addie Robertson is here. Hi. Nicola. Hello. Tell the people what's up. Oh, that's well, a sad day. That's well, oh, it's a super sad day. I'm impacted. How? So, if you don't know, moments an hour or so ago before the Vergecast began, yeah, the world learned that um, Prince has died. Yeah, it's celebrity been, deaths don't usually hit me because it's like I never knew you. We never had experiences together. Everyone had an experience with Prince, but Prince is like one of the ones. that's like, oh, it hurt. Like I feel it. I yeah. really feel it. So I'm sad. I grew up in Eden Prairie. Minnesota. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Prince is from Minnesota, is yes. what Dieter Uh Which, uh, so that's where Graffiti Bridge was located. Uh, and also, uh, I hung out probably about a mile and a half from Paisley Park all through my teenage years. Uh, so, like, Prince was just around. He was, like, part of the, the fabric of everything. Like, if you walked in to a friend's house and, like, got to go hang out in their bedroom and they didn't have the Purple Rain poster of Prince on a motorcycle on their wall. Yeah. Something was wrong. Here's what, I know you're listening to this and you're in your car right now, people, but take your car, wherever you are, turn it around, go home, watch Purple Rain. Yeah. That's what you need to do tonight. I mean, have you, you've not seen, I know that you haven't seen it. Oh my God, I've seen that. You looked, you gave me the, I haven't seen it. No, no. The thing is that I don't know where it's available. Like I haven't looked super hard into it, but I don't think it's on like Hulu or Netflix. I mean, Nicola, do you want me to buy you a DVD? <laughs> I have it on VHS, which is hilarious because I know. But like, where do you? Well, that was one thing because I, I had to run to a meeting like as soon as I left to go, like as soon as I found out I had to be somewhere. And I was like, well, what am I going to listen to on the subway? Obviously, Prince. And I went on Apple Music and there's like only recent, weird recent stuff. Oh, you can rent it uh, everywhere. You can rent it on Apple and Google Play and Vudu and YouTube and whatever else. Paying. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm gonna. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it's the yeah. three dollars. Yeah. <laughs> That's my guess. I bet the price goes up. Do you think? That oh might, god, that'd be a terrible way to. That's what I'm doing. That's tonight. how cynical I am. I'm yeah. just assuming that they're going to raise the price of purple. Yeah. But you, everyone should watch Purple Rain tonight. It is. Hand, that was kind of the weird thing about Prince earlier. That Prince was like the copyright antagonist. Yeah. Musician. Yeah. Well, all of Prince's stuff is on title and nothing else. It's Fortnite. Oh, that's oh. HD. Never mind. It's that's late. so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to find it, I was like, oh, this is a bird story. Where do you find it from rain? I mean, the Prince's history with the music industry and how it turned is actually, I think, a testament to how powerful his music is. Yeah. Because, I mean, the reason he hated his record label, he hated Warner Brothers. He changed his name because he his lawyers decided that Warner Brothers had a contract for Prince Records, and if he changed his name to a symbol, they couldn't enforce the contract. An innovator. I mean, that's genius. Yeah. So then he put out symbol records until Warner Brothers was like, whatever, I'm out. And then when the internet hit, he was like, I'm not participating in this. You, if you want my music, you have to pay for it. And he pulled... All, he. 
I mean, Prince hated the internet for a long time. Then he was on Twitter, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he decided that Tidal was the only service that he would. Yeah. All of that is incredible. It is. I mean, just all of it is. I mean, like if you think that this technology, called, he was just at the middle of it the whole time, making decisions that were contrary to the entire industry. Well, and then there was the whole PMRC, um, yeah. like filthy fifteen Tipper Gore stuff. Mm. Yeah. Well, you explain. I mean, that's like Prince railing against censorship in that way was. I mean, also, like, totally forward-thinking. Yeah, so it was one of the 15 songs that was cited for having violence or satanic themes, or in his case, sex. Yeah. Quite obviously. <laughs> um, now, Prince actually wrote some hard, hard death metal about Satan as well. He probably did, actually. Well, so all my friends who listened to hard death metal would still listen to Prince. Everyone That's listened the thing Prince. about Prince is that Prince is, like, the freak we all agree on. Like, he's such a weird angel, and everyone... And everyone is like, yeah, I love Prince. Yeah. Yeah. And underappreciated in like incredible ways because he's such a great musician. Uh, Prince, for example, amazing guitar soloist. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just like rips him out whenever that's, he that's wants. Super Bowl? Yeah. Where he just, everyone's like, what? Yeah. He just went, yeah. Anyway. I think that you should Google what's in Prince's fridge because there is an amazing, it's like, besides what prince created for himself it's the best prince content ever it's I, so I good Google right now um What's it's like prince's a local fridge? minnesota blog for this from 2011 and it's hotly debated if it's like fake or not um but he they get permission to go through his fridge because it's like a bit they do on the blog and um they find like alfalfa sprouts and <laughs> dunkaroos I love those crazy kangaroos. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's when he said Prince's words. But Prince wasn't there at the interview. He only like provided comment by email later. It's an it's an, it's like you will be so happy. It's something you should look up. Yeah, I mean it's it's an it's an incredible combination. His persona is an incredible combination of totally raw and honest, and then sealed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, it it's a very unique. The idea that Prince is completely inaccessible to you because he's so talented and basically on another planet all the time, but then he's and that planet raw is Paisley time. Park, which is the most anonymous building you can imagine in the most white bread, white bread white bread suburb on the face of the earth. Yeah, like Chanhassen, like it has Paisley Park and like the like a pretty bad dinner theater. Like, and that's <laughs> that's its entire culture and like a Walmart now. Yeah. I love when a celebrity like stays where they came from yeah, or yeah. like nearby, you know, there's like, he's like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this in LA. I'm going to do this in suburbs of Minneapolis. Yep. No, Prince is like a Minnesota boy through and through. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he wears purple because he's a Vikings fan. He, did you ever Wait, hear the I song? I can't believe I just got away with <laughs> that. He wrote, Dan Dieter's like, I'm going to roll with it. He wrote a, 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 like a fight song for the Vikings. Yeah. It's, it's awful. <laughs> Uh, well, I think we're going to look here. We, we can't do justice to Prince on the virtual. No, we so cannot we can try. No. But the way to do Prince justice is to go home and watch Purple Rain, which is $3. One of. Yes. It's to spend three dollars on the memory of a yeah, true artist. I'm going to have it. That's a smart water. Or spend if, a smart water on. Yes. Spend a smart water. That's <laughs> awful. That's how we commemorate our loved ones. A smart water. A smart water at the airport. Yeah. Wait, do you buy discount smart water on the No, streets? it's just like more expensive. Like it might be like two fifty regular places, but it might be a three and change at the airport. I got it. Yeah.
Let's talk about this MacBook that Dieter has. I have a rose gold MacBook in my hands. Yeah. So this came out this week. Yeah. Uh, it's a spec bumped MacBook. So it's the thin one. Looks and feels and acts. Well, not acts, but looks and feels precisely like the old one. One USB-C port, one headphone jack, super thin keyboard, beautiful screen. So they put um, a Skylake class processor, but don't get too excited because it's still the Core M version of a Skylake processor. Yeah. Which means that uh, it's slower. <laughs> a processor that wasn't power efficient enough for phones. Yeah. I mean, that's um, how I think about that processor. That's, that's not totally unfair. But it, like, it's still fanless, which is pretty cool. Um, so I haven't like given it full benchmarks, but I've, like, I've ran some benchmarks and I've been playing around with it. And I would say... It feels about 25% faster than the last MacBook overall. Wait, do you have the M3 or the M... This is the M5. Okay, the middle one. Yeah. But, like, 25% faster than the last MacBook is still, like, not as fast as, like, your average MacBook Air 13-inch. Yeah. But it, like, if there's... If you were, like, on the line and you're like, maybe, but I don't know, this is, this is the one that'll be like, okay. Yeah, I bought right. that one the first day. Yeah. I um, have to buy a new MacBook. You, would you buy this color? I'm going to buy the gold. You're going to buy the gold. Are you ready to live that dongle life? Oh, my God. <laughs> Please say more about that. <laughs> you can't plug your shit into it. You need to have adapters uh, for everything. Yeah, no, I was looking on, on the Apple.com this morning, Damn. and I was like, I didn't realize I had so many choices. Oh, there aren't that many stuff. choices. There's the only Mac that you, the only Mac that anyone should buy right now is that one if you if that one is right for you. It Every seems, other Mac you should wait. Until yeah, do not buy a Mac unless this one is perfect for you because everything else is coming getting updated. If if you if you really want this Mac, get this Mac. If you just need to get a Mac and you're not sure if it, this is the Mac, you should wait. How long? At June. least till June. Yeah, WDC. because wait. I don't know my home computer is going to make it. I think the What's Mac your home computer. Uh, a MacBook Pro from like 2012. Yeah. Oh, you'll be fine. It's been waiting it's, for a long time. It yeah. can probably wait a couple so months. So slow. I mean, so... It also has a cracked screen. I mm -hmm. almost, yeah, that's rough. That's brutal. Didn't know you could do that. Oh, but yeah. you can. Um, so I've told this story before. Becky has a MacBook Air that I bought from Dieter in like 2010 or 2011. Yeah. Uh, because she was... She had an original MacBook Air and she was rushing to go and take the LSAT in Chicago. Or no, not the LSAT, Jesus. The bar exam in Chicago, which is a bit more high pressure than the LSAT. Yeah. Um, and you have to take it on a computer, and her MacBook Air died like two days before she had to get on a plane. And I was like, and Dieter was like, I'll just sell you this computer. So we just, we just needed a computer. So like bought this computer, and gave it to Becky. Becky went, passed the bar exam. That's great. Proud of her. Uh, and then she just, we just kept it. <laughs> that was her computer. We never did the thing that we said we were going to do and like buy a new computer afterwards. Um, and it's so old and the fans run full blast. Like every night I sit next to Becky on the couch and like hang out and we just listen to her computer's fan. <laughs> That's what we do. It's <laughs> I, I, like the idea that I won't listen to that fan every night hasn't even occurred to me. Yeah. But it, the house will be peaceful. What if it's part of your like relaxing at night, like a white noise that yeah, you've we, come we to know? What if generator? it gets too quiet? <laughs> well, it'll be um, like uh, electric cars, how they have to simulate a motor noise. Eventually, we'll have computers that simulate a fan noise. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This computer isn't fast enough, and it's like making vroom vroom sounds. Um, but anyway, so I didn't want to buy her the old Retina one, right? Because it was only just as fast as her five-year-old computer, which yep. is depressing. Mm -hmm. You don't want to spend. $1,200 on a computer that isn't any faster. So this one is like slightly faster 
and totally pushed us over the it's, hump. It's way faster on the things that probably won't matter her. Like disk rate speed is like 90% faster. Disk yeah. read speed is like, I don't know, 20 Well, it's kind of like faster. they couldn't, I said this to you yesterday, it's yeah. like they couldn't find a faster processor. So they're like, what about super fast SSDs? Yeah. Well, they did, That'll I mean, it. they did find a faster processor. And they get it gets an hour better battery life right. than the other one, thanks to the processor. And uh, Apple tells me that's about like the battery chemistry. Yeah. So it's the same milliamps, but it's instead of thirty-seven watt hours, it's forty. Yeah. So they just they like they figured out something mysterious. The, for the first time in history, battery chemistry has been improved. Yeah. Well, not history. I don't know. Best, they did not make that claim. No. That, I mean, yeah. Apple would. Yeah. There's a Johnny Ive video waiting to happen. It's like him in a lab. When's the last like, time we got a Johnny Ive video? He's like, we used to add nickel to hydrides, but now I've added lithium to these ions. <laughs> That's not how you make batteries. <laughs> we haven't seen a Johnny Ive video since the Apple Watch. No, Johnny Ive has disappeared. Yeah, he's out. Of, he's out. No, of the he picture. made the he made like a yellow iPad for charity. Yeah, but he hasn't done a, a product launch event video. I think they realized it had become self parody. Yeah, for like, sure. You can't hear the man say aluminum and like aluminum and be impressed anymore anyway so we bought this one but the dongle life i asked back i was like this is going to be super annoying for you we have magsafe adapters all over the house but the battery lasts longer but now you have to use this one cable to plug it in and there's no other ports do you plug anything into your computer ever and all she said was this is going to suck when i travel because i plugged my phone into my laptop to charge it when i travel and so i like went on amazon and bought her an anchor usb block with a usb-c so that's her yeah but it's like it's you have to like come up with these solutions for a really stupid Dang. problem. Yeah, I mean, I I carry um, let me count. I carry one, two. I carry four adapters in my bag. Now, I could, I could drop to? it down to three. So one is um, USB C out to a plug that has a USB C to power in an HDMI if I want it and a regular USB A. One is just a USB A cable. One is a um, SD card reader. And one is another, um, I used to carry this like multi-port thing, but it failed on me because it was like cheap and like not as good as they claimed. So techie, you're the worst. <laughs> um, but because when that thing failed, I like tossed it, but I was like, man, I don't trust these devices now. So now I carry an extra USB adapter just in case. So yeah, I carry four dongles. I can't be living like that. Yeah. You I mean, know, you, I use you, this as my biggest battery. Yeah. Yeah, but you should buy one. By the way, you can buy a USB-C to lightning cable if you want. So you don't have to use an adapter to charge your phone. But that cable's like 20 bucks. My my packs charges from the computer. You got to buy one of these Anchor things. By the way, is anybody from Anchor listening to this podcast? If you buy one of these Anchor batteries, you can use it to charge the laptop. Where did Anchor come from? They came from Google. Yeah, it's a bunch of ex-Google engineers. They all moved to China, and now they make the best stuff. Yeah. They just, they've just arrived on the scene. Mm-hmm. There was no anchor, and now every time I'm like, I need a battery or a plug or yeah. whatever, I'm like, you might, you might the say they, like, they, just, they just dropped it. Dieter has fired. And I, <laughs> I didn't want to say this earlier um, because it's, it is such a sad day, but Dieter, this, today will be your last day at the Verge. That was fucking awful. What? <laughs> uh, no, seriously, if you if you work at Anchor or you have a loved one that works at Anchor or you know anybody that works at Anchor, please tell me where they came from and like what their story is and how we can get a hold of them. We should do like an Anchor feature. How do you how do you just get into the business of being the most dominant supplier of things with USB plugs? That's like a story. That's a verge story. Yeah, I'm I want to know the short answer. 
yeah, I mean, I think it's like there are a bunch of Google engineers who had a reasonable amount of design sense, and they realized there was a market for batteries and USB things. But those little USB bricks, I'm telling you, they're like revelatory. Yeah, they're great. They right. change your life. I got some thinking to do this weekend. Yeah, about a new MacBook. Yeah. Yep. So, but the gold one. The gold one. Yeah. I but, went from like thinking about buying one of these uh, ultra thin, not very powerful, carry it anywhere you go, battery lasts all day. MacBooks to buying a like twenty pound laptop gaming rig in the space of about twenty minutes. What was there? Wasn't there a VR capable laptop that came out today? Yes. Yes, it's the Acer Predator Seventeen X. I'm buying this laptop. Cool name. Um, which just takes Dude, a like no. normal desktop graphics card and substitutes it for the notebook graphics card that was in the original <laughs> Predator Seventeen. So yeah. is the entire bottom of this thing a heatsink? Uh, it's like it's like ten pounds. Adds two pounds. Um, I mean, to the other one, this thing does look sick, but the real I'm answer is, you d- dude, you need to wait to see uh, if you can get a razor blade co- paired with a razor core and if that'll do it. But that one weighs 10 pounds and has a desktop class GPU bolted to the bottom. Yeah, you could. Instead, it also looks like it's going to eat you. You could instead get a, a, a laptop that isn't insane. It, does, it still has an insane light up keyboard. You'll, you'll get the, ins- the requisite amount of insanity. Yeah. And then you just have a, a thing that looks like a tiny like old Mac Pro tower that you, your graphics card goes in. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. It yeah. is very appealing to me. But that laptop looks like it would burn a village down and then laugh while the blood of its enemies dripped from its jaws. This laptop is straight out of Witcher. Sam says yeah. that uh, it was inspired by intergalactic battleships in his <laughs> oh review, God. I believe. See, we need this thing. How do you... Mm. We got it. I mean, every laptop is... In, every gaming laptop is inspired by something ridiculous and terrible, like a fighter jet. Yeah. You're, or a snake. You're, you've got a full desktop gaming rig at home, right? Yes. Okay. And, and it's like, tasteful. Okay. <laughs> One of my favorite Addy stories was like the very first CES, uh, Addy showed up to cover the trade show with a gaming laptop. It was so and a huge. Netbook. And a netbook. But the netbook wasn't powerful enough, so by the end, you would see Addy, and she would just be like hidden behind this like monster. What was it? Uh, it was an Asus... It was I forget what year it was like 2010 or something. I gave it to James to take apart and take pictures of. So <laughs> oh, I'm sacrificing nice. it. It was incredible. I mean that was an incredible laptop and an incredible moment. And I think gaming laptops should come back. Yeah. Well, theoretically they're, they're gonna gonna with the uh, VR PCs. Although really they're just good for people who make games and have to cart around a VR setup all the time to yeah. show other people. Yeah, but I don't want to buy game. Like, I don't want to buy a gaming PC. Like I've thought about it a lot. But I, where am I going to put it? Like, I think gaming, gaming laptops that can do VR are the solution to the what is my VR room problem that we've talked about in the show like a bunch of times. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You can just like unfold it, put it down, plug in the headset and go. And I mean, this is a ridiculous solution. I mean, which is great for the riff. For the Vive, it's like you already have so many plugs and so much crazy stuff yeah. that it's like, what's one more thing? Well, the <laughs> other solution that might end up happening is uh, your console is going to do it because... PlayStation can run PSVR. There's a PlayStation Neo, apparently, that's coming. It'll be faster. And now we're hearing rumors that there's a, like a next uh, Xbox 1.5 that's also maybe maybe going to be more powerful and be able to support VR directly. Nobody knows yet. Yeah. It so, would be absolutely insane if you could run the Oculus Rift off an Xbox One. Yeah, but it might not be insane if you could... Uh, oh, no, insane in a good way. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, that would be kind of crazy if that was their solution to you needing a gate giant gaming PC. Right, yeah. And I keep on pointing out that Microsoft and Facebook are very... Very close. A lot closer than people seem to think. Yeah. That's my belief. Okay. I mean, there's an Xbox One controller in the thing. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't Oculus go to Microsoft and be like, look, you want it to be a Windows 10 PC. 
we need a really powerful Windows 10 PC. Just upgrade that thing. But it's the Xbox One, so it'll probably just crash along the way. Yeah. I own an Xbox One, so I'm allowed to be salty about the Xbox One. I um, I have to... I, I took the risk of putting the Xbox One in an entertainment cabinet. Mm-hmm. And I would say every third time I use it, I need to like open the door, point a fan at the box. Because really? it's like, there's space for it to vent, but just not quite enough. Mine has a delightful new problem where it decides that uh, controllers no longer need to pair to it. Oh, that's nice. So why don't you just unplug it all the way mm-hmm. and uh, you know, go have a drink, talk to an old friend on the phone, plug it back in and see if it wants to play a game. Xbox One only today got a HBO Now app. Yeah. What a, I don't know. Yeah. Howdy, would you, how, 1 to 10, how's the Xbox One doing in the market? Is it fine? I mean, I guess it's okay in the same way that like Windows is kind of always okay, no matter how bad it is. Yeah. Because it's the thing that plays maybe some of the games that you want. Yeah. Um, and I mean, PSVR seems like it could be a really cool draw for PlayStation, but uh, people I, will, there will always be people who don't want a PlayStation. Or yeah. want another thing. No, those, think, and those people are very mad at you right now. There are more people <laughs> that don't want a gaming PC than there are people who don't want a PlayStation, right? Or and there, there's enough people that have a PS4 that I think that I still think the PSVR is like going by by this holiday will be anointing the PSVR as like the winner for a while. I mean, maybe for gaming stuff, I just VR is so multifarious that. Like, the Vive is announcing some kind of commercial partnership with, like, an architecture firm. Uh, speaking of uh, VR, I, if you didn't hear last week, I, I do need to disclose <laughs> oh, that oh, my, man, we forgot. my wife works for Oculus. Not yet. Um, it's well, like days away. Yeah. Uh, By the so, time you listen to this in your car. Yeah. In your car. Yeah. There you go. Dieter's wife works for Oculus. He's hopelessly corrupted. But there, I do not hear anything about Oculus from him, so. Yeah. Yeah, that is also true. Yeah, uh, it's just also really, I just said it was going to lose, so I don't know. If you're <laughs> mad. I mean, it's really just this show where that issue is presenting itself. On the rest of the side, it's like there's like all these walls and procedures, and yeah. Dieter knows not to do it. But then we're all like, Dieter, come on the Vergecast. He's like, I can't talk about anything today. Yeah, we'll get through it. And if you, the audience, think it's such a problem, let us know. But I suspect you, the audience, are going to come with us on this journey. Into ethical boundaries. Do you, do you enjoy watching Peter be uncomfortable? <laughs> Tune into the Verge Cast live at four thirty Eastern on Thursdays. We also got to figure out what we're going to do when you go to San Francisco. This is true. Let me know in the comments or on Twitter if you would die without a live Verge Cast. Let do me know if you'd prefer not a live Verge Cast or a Verge Cast without Dieter. Ooh, there's no Verge Cast. I'm not doing that. I'm not right. having this conversation. Okay, conversation over. Anyway, let me ask you a question about rose gold things. Yes. So that <laughs> you what? That's uh, next on my list. Okay, it's just here on the it's list. There. Several weeks ago, you came on the show and you're like, "I don't understand why there's so much rose gold. It's over." Mm-hmm. Apple's doubled down on rose gold. That that I is the rose goldest it. thing they've ever made. I got feelings. Samsung, I can, I can decided like rose gold signals. It's really yeah. rose gold. Uh, Samsung put out it's pink really. gold Galaxy S7s this week. Is there what's going on? Is this gonna just keep happening to us? I'm I'm so confused because this I think comes from Apple and Apple has is keeping an eye on on trends outside of technology obviously like yeah. that's their thing and seeing like okay there's like a lot of rose gold jewelry going around it's like kind of in the ether so then they like go into this version of rose gold that's so pink and it's so weird to me because it reminds me of like the weird brightly colored like desktop Macs and like 
iPod minis of yeah. my aughts experience. And then they like move totally to like slick, you know, like you don't see like a green, there's no green iPhone now. And this to me is like, like cartoonish in color. And I imagine if it was the same thing, but it was blue or green, it would look weird. It's weird to me. Yeah. It shouldn't be this saturated. It should be desaturated. One, one tick down. Like three. <laughs> It'd be cool if it was like a gentle rose gold, but this is just, this is dusty salmon. I mean, Ooh, that's my new beach bar. The dusty salmon. Dusty salmon. <laughs> Scissor vodka shots hour yeah. from the dusty salmon. Yeah. Yeah. Five yeah. to five to seven every night. And how do you make it salmon colored though? Cause you would need to combine they, there's a pink scissor vodka. I, I mean, don't know. Don't you just add a drop of crayon? Yeah. That's, That's the dusty fine. salmon at the dusty That's salmon. The dusty salmon. <laughs> it's just a it's a little bit of cranberry juice. Shouldn't there be Not some like, flavor? Shouldn't there be color. some glitter in it? What kind of bar do you think I'm running to? You? I, Maybe it's saying. Aperol. Well, it's a like beach the, bar. You come you come like to chill scales? out. You don't come to get lit. Huh? Mm-hmm. No, the scale. I see. Um, Addie, weren't you saying that you would buy a colorful computer today? I saw you like dropping pictures of old iMacs somewhere. Yeah, so I've missed out on absolutely every generation of colorful Apple things. I yeah. missed out on the iBook. I wanted one really badly. Mm-hmm. I missed out on the iPod minis. Uh, by the time I was buying Apple products, they were all super brushed aluminum. Yeah. And I really like the era of things that seem kind of weird and personalized. Yeah. Um, and I also just would love like a dark kind of emerald green one. I Ooh. love the idea of this emerald green. Yeah. I think it'd be really nice, but like super dark. Okay. Like your fern. No, darker than the fern. Darker, darker than the fern. Okay. But like edging but like, into jade territory. Oh, I see. But that, b- b- with that hint of metallic. With that little flash. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. That could be nice. I've never been a green person, but this is a green I can get behind. Yeah. No, I think green is on the come up. Green. Watch out. It could be the next rose gold. Green is my least favorite color. Sorry, Addie's wearing a green shirt. Addie, your shirt's great. Green is my least favorite color. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, um, I don't have a strong investment in my shirt. Uh, what about like, like James Barham loves green. Our yeah. creative director loves green. He's constantly showing me green things. I'm like, oh, green oh, in oh. what context? What kind of green? What kind of green? Like, is it, green is has it a, a lot of forest? rain. Generally not a green person. The problem with the internet is it doesn't show cool like dark army or dark forest green very well. Like the only green that works in the internet is like green. You know, computer, uh, this is going to sound like I'm fucking stoned, but go with me. Computers are very bad at colors. Have you noticed this? Like yes. red on the internet is a huge problem. Yep. Nothing, nothing red can exist on the internet because JPEG compression will crush it to hell, or you have to deliver like a massive PNG. Yep. It's so like red's just out of the question. Interesting. And as Dieter's saying, green, somewhat out of the question, just fades into black when you get it dark enough to be really cool. Yeah. It's just a real problem. We live, we live in a, we live in a color space that is tightly defined by shitty web browsers. Wow. And also, that's all the colors that you can imagine in the world are like Netscape coded them in like 1994. I mean, I also have to check everything I do on multiple computers if I really want to see how it's going to look. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real problem. Everyone should just have a 5K iMac with the increased color gamut. Including on their smartphones. (laughs) 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 Uh, That's a really weird transition to the next thing. Okay. Do you want to transition to the next thing? Uh, no, because we I got don't to, have Addy, do you want to talk about Magic Leap right away, or do you, want to, sure. do you want to take a quick digression into Google and the EU? Which way do you want to go? Um, I'm, let's, we can go into Google EU. Okay. Yeah. The big news um, is that the EU uh, filed an antitrust case against Google saying that they're illegally using their Android monopoly uh, to tie Google search in the Google Play Store. and. They're tying them together and illegally using the Android monopoly in the European Union to force out competitors to Google search on mobile and force out competitors to Android, which is a weird thing to think about Google doing because they make Android. Yep. 
So I'm joined now by Randy Picker, who is a professor at the University of Chicago Law School, who specializes in antitrust, among many other things. How's it going, Randy? Uh, actually, very nicely. Yeah. I mean, this has got to be exciting for you. There's some action in the world. Yeah. Well, there's always action. But yes. So I, I woke up this morning and turned on Twitter and saw that while I was asleep, the European Union had gone off and done what people said they were going to do. Uh, and what that was, was, as you may recall, uh, roughly a year ago, after a very extended investigation into Google, um, the EU announced what they call their statement of objections, which is basically, we're going to, we've got a case we think against you. And they brought that case against Google relating to Google shopping. Mm -hmm. That case is still going on. Uh, there's actually been almost nothing public about that. At the same time, uh, when they brought that case, they also said, oh, by the way, Google, we're going to launch an investigation into Google Android. And that was all basically uh, in April, mid-April of last year. And today, they said, we've investigated, and now we think we've got a case against you relating to Android. And that case is basically, it's it's about two different things. It's about Google search being preloaded on the, the phones. Yes. And then... It, 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 Verge readers will probably know this, but I'll explain a little bit. There's an anti-fragmentation clause that says if you're going to use Google services on an Android phone, you can't then ship another fo phone that forks Android in some other weird yeah, way. Yeah, you've got great users if they understood that. So, oh, we've, so we've covered the hell out of this, that's, actually. That's that, that, wonderful. That, so I, I'm desperate to hear what you think is going to happen here. But my take on it is that the EU actually fundamentally misunderstands how important that anti-fragmentation clause is. But I want to hear from you first. So tell me how you think this is going to play out. So Android, as you know, and Google published something on this on their public policy, European public policy blog this morning. They say, look, it's open source. That's the deal. How are we getting in trouble here? The reality is, is I think when you look at the Android uh, system, as it were, I, I sort of think of it like um, almost the alphabet, not Google alphabet, but the alphabet, uh, where let's say 21 letters, we'll call them the consonants or open source, and everyone's got a proprietary vowel set. And, and what happens here is, is, is there's a lot of underlying code in Android, which is open source, but key pieces of the system that you need to run a serious Android phone are proprietary. That's what Google Play is. And so the EU's contention is, is that while anyone can use, as it were, the consonants here, uh, Google's got its own special set of vowels, and it's using those vowels to force you to take other Google products, including Google Search. Right. We call that tying in the antitrust world. So if, you're, if, you're, if your listeners know forking, they should know tying. <laughs> um, and tying is the idea that I am distorting competition in a second space based upon my control of a key adjacent space. Uh, so here, the allegation is that based upon Google's control uh, over Google Play, uh, they're able to effectively force search to continue with the wrinkle here uh, that, that the EU sees Google as trying to extend its monopoly on the desktop in search, which they assume to exist, into the mobile space. Right. But so my argument and my question is, didn't we have a vibrant mobile market of something like six platforms vying for control and dominance. Didn't Google just win outright? Yeah, so so I don't know who wins. I, I, as I count them, we have two, two winners here. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. And it's completely fair to say um, that the, the transformation in the mobile OS space, so if I say Symbian, to a normal person, you have no clue what I'm talking about. 
And you say, oh, yeah, Nokia used to be this and this and this, and look what happened. So it's completely fair to say that we had this moment of competition and that Google, in some sense, was one of the winners. That's clearly right. The EU doesn't dispute that. The EU says it's fine to have winners. It's once you've won, what are you allowed to do? That's the antitrust issue. So is this all focused on search? Because it seems like if you want to, if you want to take advantage of the large ecosystem of Android apps in the Play Store, yeah. that's the thing that's going to help you sell your phone. Right. Yes. And, Go- and Google's sa- saying, well, you can have that, but it comes with these conditions. Chief among them, Google search has to be the default search engine. Yes. So the EU just gave us a little window into what they're thinking is. So there's a, there was a speech uh, by Commissioner Vestager this morning. There's the press release. There's the fact sheet. I would say what they're saying is a couple of things, certainly about search, uh, but they're also concerned, and maybe this will go to the fragmentation clause you wanted to talk about about the extent of uh, competition in the Android space itself, let's say the Android OS space or the Android store space. I think the EU thinks they'd like to see more competition there and that the anti-fragmentation clause is working against that. Sure, let's get into that. It feels like magical thinking to me because if you undo this anti-fragmentation clause, one, app developers are going to have to start supporting multiple variants of Android, which is very difficult to do. And in fact, the reason that Amazon's phone failed is because they could not get app developers to support their crazy ideas about what a phone should be. Exactly. Um, And on top of it, and this one, it's like, you know, you've got to sort of take it on faith that Google is actually a better actor for the consumer than any phone carrier or OEM. And I say it's on faith, but I think... The, the Verge audience listening to this in particular will happily tell you that they would rather have a Google phone than whatever garbage Samsung will do or whatever garbage Verizon or Telefonica or whatever else, whatever carrier nonsense would get loaded onto some custom variant of Android that's actually regressive in many ways. And Google's power over the ecosystem is the thing that makes Android successful. Yeah, so you said a couple of really interesting things there. So let's take those in pieces. So one idea here is, is the, I think it's fair to say, and we saw this in the EU's Microsoft Windows Media Player case, they believe in fragmentation. So that, <laughs> the, that case, if you'll recall, they were very concerned that Microsoft was effectively going to take over the media world by, by embedding Media Player in Windows. They were crystal clear that they understood that in fragmenting that market, they were going to push up costs, that music manufacturers and producers were going to have to support multiple formats, and that would all be more expensive. They didn't care. And they implemented a remedy that didn't, didn't work at all. Um, but I think they're, you know, they're very much, uh, from a, either a, a mindset standpoint or just uh, naturally, believing in, in, in the benefits of competition, even at greater costs. And the costs you identified are, are crystal clear. The second point you made is the one that uh, they obviously don't talk about in any way, shape, or form. And that's sort of Google is counterweight in, in a world that you've got these very large, as it were, you know, mobile players. Um, that's interesting. I'm, I, I, you know, I don't know what to say about that. I can't say that's wrong. I don't think that's figuring in their analysis at all. This seems like a very carrier-favorable ruling, or a carrier-favorable allegation, right? That... Google's illegally tying search. They're using this anti-fragmentation clause to reduce competition. But the only people, the only actors that will help are telecom carriers 
who have historically been the most anti-consumer. And I just don't see that sense of history kind of pervading this thinking. Well, so I think it's completely fair to say that it's very much a hope and a prayer to think that when they, if this anti-fragmentation clause magically went away tomorrow, how much entry do we think we would see in the Android forking market? Maybe some. Uh, my guess is not a lot. Um, so, so that doesn't seem like we're going to buy much there. And, and the counterweight point against the carriers, um, I, I, I absolutely see what you're saying there. Well, I mean, so Samsung right now, and I'll just pick on Samsung as but one example because they are the most powerful actor in the, in the Android ecosystem. Samsung makes, obviously, the most popular Android phones. They also make phones that run their own operating system, Tizen. They did, for a brief minute, make Microsoft-based phones. Right. I mean, Samsung will do anything, right? It, it's, it's, and it's not a, a far stretch to say um, they would make some forked variant of Android, thus threatening the ecosystem. But what is actually more true, and I think much more likely, is that some European carrier would go out and commission a phone that runs its own app store, its own services, and say to the public, this phone is much cheaper than the other phones because it uses our services. And that that begins to do something that is very old and very familiar, which is start to lock down the consumer to a particular carrier, which is the reason that none of these ecosystems really developed in the past. Yeah, though, though if I'm the EU, I say, oh, that's a different flavor of competition. Let's play that out. So, Interesting. So, so, so it's, it's almost a, a, a retrograde move that way. Right. So what, do you, what, what happens next here? Well, I mean, so, so, I mean, mechanically, Google gets 12 weeks to respond and blah, 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 blah. But... I mean, I think the real question is, and part of what we can't see is, I mean, Google, if I'm Google, I, I'd like to be done with it. <laughs> <I think. laughs> uh, between, between the antitrust fronts and between the, the right to be forgotten fronts, and uh, I, I assume most of the Google people will be vacationing in the United States this year. You know, can I, can I get a global antitrust settlement in the EU would be the question I would ask, right? Can I wrap up the Google shopping case, which I see is quite different than this case? Um, and really almost a sideshow compared to this case. This case strikes me as so much more important than the Google Shopping product, yes. which has never struck me as very important. You know, now we've got our hands on the, uh, at least a version of the future of mobile, so, so hugely more important. Um, the other piece of this is, and you never can tell until you've gone inside, if Google gave up each of these contractual conditions tomorrow, what would it cost them? Uh, the market's so much in their favor at this point that I would think it wouldn't cost them very much. So, you know, uh, handing money to lawyers for a company like Google is cheap to do. They can do that. They can fight in the system for a while. They could just settle and be done with it and maybe move forward. But that's I, I certainly don't have any powerful insight into what Google right. wants to do. And, and, and think of the week they've had, right? As you know, the Supreme Court denied cert, uh, didn't take the case in the Google Book Search case. So earlier this week, the legal system has rewarded this visionary legal strategy that they applied um, in copying 10 million books and seeing what would happen. Uh, and now the, the legal system is struck back. Doesn't it always? Uh, yeah. Just real quick, give, how does this compare to what happened with Microsoft with the browser ballot and Windows Media Player. Are they are they of a piece or is this something else? Well, so, if, man, I hope the EU is learning something. So, 
So the EU had two important cases uh, against Microsoft, I'll say. So one was the Windows Media Player case that I mentioned earlier. The remedy they required there was to require Microsoft to have a version of Windows with the Media Player, one without. Same price could be charged. And the marketplace rejected that completely. They sold under 2,000 copies of the version without the Media <laughs> I understand why that remedy might have been sensible on paper. Indeed, I wrote a paper before they did that remedy as to why it might be sensible. It went nowhere. Then, as you just mentioned, when they got to the uh, EU uh, Internet Explorer case, uh, Microsoft's getting ready to roll out Windows 7. They don't want to have a big fight with them, so they settle. And what they settle on is the browser ballot. Um, and that means every time you turned on a new uh, Windows machine in Europe, you were presented with 14 different browser choices. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in fact. Uh, uh, irony of that, because the original U.S. case was litigated on the premise of two choices was confusing. Uh, but 14 there. Uh, and that remedy seems to have accomplished nothing. Uh, that remedy got broken when they released Service Pack 1, and no one noticed for 17 months. So the point of all that, <laughs> that was was two completely failed remedies, I think it's fair to say, in the Microsoft case. So that should tell them here that maybe they should, if they can cut this deal where they turn off these contractual provisions and say, Google, stop telling people they can't do this, settle for that, don't do anything more dramatic, and let's see what will happen. My guess is nothing. Got it. Well, we'll certainly check back in with you if anything else happens. That would be great. Thank you for coming on the show. Randall Picker from the University of Chicago. Thanks, man. Thank you. The challenge to your like line of thinking here that like the EU regulators are just crazy for thinking that if they that Google should just let there be forks of Android and it, it would uh, like the fragmentation is not an issue because we actually like Google owns it is if they had done that from the jump then they wouldn't have been able to build the relatively cohesive ecosystem they have underneath Google Play. Right. It might be now if they were to like, if Google were to like say, okay, fine, we're going to get rid of the non-fragmentation agreement, uh, that a bunch of people would jump at the chance and they'd realize that Google already has too much of an advantage in the Play Store and they would wither because people just want to get the Google stuff. Um, but the question is like, why can't Google say, yeah, go ahead and do whatever you want, make whatever you want, but you only get Google apps on like the phones that we approve. Right. I don't know. That's like the question. I mean, the question is Google so much more powerful. But if you're Google, you made you make Android, you give it away for free, and you yep. say if you want the rest of our stuff, you have to agree not to screw with right. it. Although I will say that like the the version of the way that most people who have Google Android devices experience it, like a lot of the best stuff in it is the Google stuff. And I'm not just talking about, you know, Gmail and Photos. And the Chrome browser and the persistent ad tracking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they're like they're they're pushing out security updates via the Google Play ecosystem. They're pushing out browser updates via the Google Play ecosystem. So yeah. the the divergence between like the fully open source do it or how you want with it version of Android and Google's version of Android is getting wider. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Like the reason Android is successful is because Google exerts this control. And three years ago, the conversation was, can Google control fragmentation in their ecosystem? And they figured it out. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> but they figured it out. Like the worst example of fragmentation right now in the ecosystem is like. OS versions. OS versions. Uh, Samsung can't stop putting dumb water drop sounds on the phone. Oh, they did. They totally stopped putting water drop sounds on the phone. They're still there. I, I had an Uber driver with an S7 the other day, and it was definitely... Well, you can turn them on if was, you like them. Yeah, but they, they're there. I mean, just as a matter of taste. 
Like, don't put them there. Make people work for them much harder. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. You can get one on your pink uh, pink Galaxy. Yeah. LG's launcher is still a disaster. Yeah, oh, it's like, God. it's yeah. just stuff, right? It's like these tiny little problems. But the actual phones are fine. And like the app, the app developers are happy, right? They can like ship an app and it works on a bunch of phones. Yeah, they're happy. They're just not getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should all stop having phones. Back to laptops. There stop using your phone. <laughs> <laughs> And isn't Google's best remedy to just make their own phone, which all of us kind of want them to do? Yeah. Right? Like, okay, fine, Samsung, you can fork away. Enjoy. We're going to make our own phone, and we're gonna, it's going to be the high-end phone competitor to the iPhone that everybody wants Google to do. Yep. Right? I'd buy that phone. I mean, I did buy that phone. It's called the Nexus 6P. Yeah. I just wish it had been on camera. The camera's fine. It's, it's not, good. It's not good. Yes, it Addy, is. what phone do you have right now? Uh, still the HTC M8, which is actually kind of broken. I can't use headphones with it anymore. Ooh. Ooh. Well, headphones are a thing of the past. Are you getting an M10? You've... Or I'm sorry, a 10? No, I'm going to wait. I'm buying my phone purely based on what's best for VR, which means I'm going to wait and see if Google announces something with Tango. And uh, then if they don't, I'm going to get an S7, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yes, I mean, carrier you that want? is the phone to get. I'm on an MVNO. <laughs> With, I'm on straight talk. Okay. I'll just swap my SIM. No, MVNOs are great. Uh, I actually am super pro MVNO, super pro prepaid. I think that that's the way to go. My parents signed up for AT&T Uverse, so now uh, I have unlimited data. Ooh. But they, it, it, but they also... Wait, you're on your parents' plan? Well, I pay for them. Okay. Oh, reverse parents. <laughs> I mean, they, they, it's not like they use any data. Yo, my mom and I are going to start splitting a plan. So I was yeah. like, can you just look and see like how much data you use so I, I can like figure out what were what makes sense? And she was like, I used 0.7. Yeah. And I was like, oh. oh. My dad has my old iPhone 5, and it's still surprising him with capabilities. <laughs> like, it, it, it's adorably so. He's like, it can send text messages. I'm like, I, I know. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Um, but no, so they're on my plan. My mom's iPad is on my plan. They don't uh -huh. use any data. Mm -hmm. But then the Uverse people, like, showed up at the house, sold them the Uverse, tearing out all of my carefully constructed home theater set up for them. Because that's what cable people do. Oh, man. They show you up and they just fly out with stuff. It. No, whatever. It's like, you made your bed. Like, you fly <laughs> in it. Um, but then my dad... God bless him, was like, whatever, it's a great deal, unlimited data. I don't even need unlimited data. What else can you give me? And they're like, we're going to set up a complete smart home for you. <gasps> so, like, no. the garage doors are going. No. The locks are going. No. They're putting in motion detectors. Oh, my God. ADT is out. There's a new security system. Oh. There's, like, and my dad calls me. He's all proud. He's as he should be. One, like, he got a bunch of free shit. But... I was like, he's like, and there's going to be an app on the phone, and there is nothing more terrifying than hearing my parents say that they need to learn how to use a new app on their phones. It is, it, it, there is a, a gnawing pit of despair in my life that comes from the idea of my parents calling me and saying, we're looking at the phone and something's wrong. Can you fix it? Because there's n literally no way for them to appropriately communicate to me what's on the, like, no one can do it. You cannot describe an app on a phone. No, you can't. You just can't, like, it doesn't matter how, like, I, we do it professionally, but if, like, my Nest blows up and I call you, I'm like, can you fix my Nest app? Just a mat, like, it would still be hard. You need to, you need to buy an LTE connected, like, drop cam. Oh my God, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like getting emotional. About yeah. this. It needs to be, it needs to be, like, air gapped away from anything that they can touch or control in terms of their internet or home setup. <laughs> it's just the camera. And all you can do is turn it on. You'd be like, just walk over to the camera. Yeah. And, and just then, hold up the camera. Yeah. Alternately, you could just use Skype. 
No, no, because uh, Skype happens. No, 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 this is like. Don't they have like Skype a happens or on the phone. FaceTime happens on the phone. So the app breaks on the phone. They call me from the phone. They totally have a Chromebook or something, right? They, they do have use a Chromebook yes. or something. No, we could do it. It's just their instinct. It's amazing. But anyway, so I'm dreading the day that the smart home install happens. AT&T but has you can't been, also be like, you should turn down free stuff. AT&T has been trying to convince me that they are a stuff. huge power player in the smart home every CTIA for like the past five years. Yeah. I've never believed them. And apparently I was wrong because they're selling it to... They're not selling Old it. Man they're Patel. literally just foisting it on the un- unsuspecting. They're just like, they're not, they're not paying for any of this gadgetry. No, it's showing up in their house. <sighs> they're like, sign up for Uverse. And I was like, cool, we'll get free data. Wait, I don't need any data. My son used it, but we're fine. What else can you give me? And they're like, smart home. And just like foisted it on them. Oh, my God. Can they turn around and sell all the smart home stuff? I don't know. No, I think that AT&T comes and installs it for you. So you'd have to like uninstall it. Yeah, could strip it out, sell it for parts. I, mean, I feel like it's that. probably leased or something. Like you probably have to give it back. You are. Yeah, you almost certainly dumb. have to like rent it. Yeah. Although I do the picture of Addie going to my parents' house with like a tool belt and just like stripping <laughs> the smart home for parts, <laughs> and, like leaving the house as a shell, and like Addie's driving away in a pickup <laughs> truck. It's like kind of amazing. Um, I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Also, uh, we were. It's another story. We were looking at a house in a rural area, and we were like, how do we get internet at this house? And the Verizon salesperson told us that all of the internet in the area had been used up. And if you would like to add internet to this house, we'd have to go talk to the neighbors and convince one of them to disconnect their internet so that we could hook up our internet. I'm fairly like certain I've actually heard that at my in-law's house. Is that real? I don't know if it's real, but Becky, internet that there is very weird. Real. Becky called me, and she's like, I don't think this is real. Like... <laughs> She's like, I want you to talk to them. I was like, what's the threat? She's like, well, I don't think they know what you do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe Verizon uh, workers should be in, shouldn't be on strike. Should be on strike. Yeah. They were marching in front of the office the other day wearing shirts that said invest in Fios, not executive pay, which I thought was a very clever burn. Yeah. If you want to strike deep at the heart of New Yorkers, you tell them that Lowell McAdam is taking a paycheck instead of giving you Fios. I wonder if I can get uh, Google Fiber where I'm moving. Okay. Let's, let's all Google for internet access. Yeah. All right, Addy, let's talk about Magic Leap. Okay. Uh, so Magic Leap, we haven't heard anything about him, and then we heard lots of things about them, but they weren't very useful things. Yeah, I mean, the. <laughs> <laughs> what did we hear? So, uh, okay, how, so how badly are we going to burn Wired in this segment? I would say well, medium. I, I'd say you ju- I you, like Kevin Kelly. Started. I think Kevin Kelly is a very, like, we interviewed him for my VR piece. Um, I think he's a really good writer, and I think that they probably did the best that they could with Magic Leap. It's just that Magic Leap will not reveal anything. Well, let's start so, at the start. So, yeah. early, Wired, and God bless Wired. Like, we know a lot of people who are there. David Pierce works at Wired. Good friend of mine. Um, good friend of all of ours. Um, Joe Brown, Wired's managing editor. Great dude, Right. Um, great, just great staff, great magazine. Kevin Kelly wrote a piece for Wired. Kevin Kelly was the original editor in chief of Wired. And who also like wrote a ton about virtual reality in the late eighties, early nineties. Like he's OG VR. Yeah. Um, they commissioned him to write a cover story for Wired this month about a company called Magic Leap, which has $1.4 billion in investment from, Google, from Anderson Horowitz, from like rando celebrities, 
they are located in Miami, mm. Central Florida. They're located somewhere in Florida, like an office I park. I think they're in Orlando, around Orlando. That makes sense. Um, but I'm not yeah, sure. Nicholas just I making live, a face. <laughs> I lived in Sub-optimal. Central Florida. I knew Central Florida. I am Central Florida. You don't want to. Don't. Don't. <laughs> anyway. It's Fort Lauderdale. They're right outside Fort Lauderdale. Okay, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Um, the, the Orlando of Miami. Does that make any sense? Yes, doesn't make any sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, anyway, so they, Ryan writes this huge cover story about this company, Magic Leap, which is doing an augmented reality thing. Like, that's what they're doing. So you look around the room and you see computer vision mixed stuff. Interacting. Wired agrees to call it mixed reality and not augmented okay, reality. Okay, we call it HoloLens. Uh, Microsoft <coughs> always asks us to call it mixed reality, too, and we occasionally grudgingly do. Mixed reality is the term everyone likes because augmented reality is the <coughs> thing that you looked at through your smartphone and it would put Wikipedia place markers on everything. Right. We ruined augmented reality. Congratulations. Congratulations. We're going to call all of it the same thing. We're going to call it all 360 Maver. <laughs> 360 mixed augmented virtual reality. Our video team was just at NAB and they were, you know, we, if you National listen to the show. Association of Broadcasters show. Convention. Yeah, the big trade show for video people. Yeah. Um, and they came back very depressed that they're all going to lose the 360 versus VR battle because everyone there just calls it VR. Like 360 video doesn't exist. Everyone just calls it VR. They're very unhappy about that. Like, I got a late night text from Tom Connors that was like, I hate you, but you're going to win. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's not correct. Like, VR 360 is a subset of 360 video. I don't, I can't do this again. We did, we did it for an hour on the show after the flow speed. Um, anyway, so Magic Leap is this company. They're doing mixed, augmented reality, whatever. Wired goes in. They're doing right. holograms. They're doing holograms. Like, yeah, you wear presumably a headset and you can look around the room and, like, there's videos of it, and you look around the room, and like screens pop up, and jellyfish float through the air, and it's enhanced. It's like, what do they say? It's like you're, it's like you're dreaming while you're awake. Yes, stuff that. happens to reality that isn't real. I vaguely had heard uh, somebody was saying that when you go in and you try it out for the first time, what they do is they like put you in a room, and some things are holograms and some aren't, and they ask you to pick out which things are real, and you can't. And I have no idea if that's true or not. I strongly suspect that it's not, or it's actually very easy to pick them out. But yes. people have very high hopes. Anyway, so Wired wrote this piece. The piece is like 10,000 words long. It is. It's like a, it's a nice like overview in history of. It's an overview in history of VR. Yeah. Of, of VR and AR, which is MR. I just VR plus table. AR equals MR. <laughs> it, I disagree say, with you. You might say it was like a comprehensive 360 degree take on VR and AR and MR. I want to kill myself. <laughs> Like, what's worse, this argument or letting AT&T install smart home? <laughs> like, what is a more painful way to go? Um, anyway, so it's very long. It's beautifully written because it's Kevin Kelly and it's wired. You should read it. But the actual descriptions of Magic Leap in it are insane. There's one description, and it's like it ends with, but Magic Leap won't tell us how it actually works. The CEO of Magic Leap is quoted as saying, your brain is like a graphics processor, and we're hacking the GPU of the brain. Which just doesn't make sense. Like, in a very real way, it makes no sense. I mean, it makes sense, but it only makes sense in that, like, I don't know, my GP, this screen is hacking the GPU of my brain by pretending that there's a person on it, but it's actually a video. Yeah. It's like, yes, everything tricks your brain. Yes. That's what things do. Today, Addie <laughs> very dramatically covered her eyes with her hand and said, I'm hacking my brain. It's <laughs> super funny. <laughs> um, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, there's... A video, the video is equally crazy because they're the actual engineers of Magic Leap are like, we can't describe what it is. 
and one of them's just like, it's so real. And they, they all look like they are in a cult, basically. They're all talking like they're in a cult. I mean, have you been to Florida? <sighs> I, mean, do, I mean, Dieter did used to live there. Yeah. How are you? I also lived in Miami for a Are you a clear? While. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is that what Scientologists do? Um, uh, and then today, it, oh, and then there was a second follow-up piece published yesterday in Wired. Which starts with, there's, I have such a strict NDA that I can't tell you anything. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah. I went and visited Magdalene, but my idea is so hard, I can't, I literally can't write about but it. But also, another great writer. Another great writer. Yeah, Jesse Ample. Jesse Ample, yeah. Fucking amazing. So Magic Leap has convinced this, like, beautiful, wonderful publication that we love to not publish anything about their visit to Magic Leap. <laughs> and they did a great, and they, they And they wrote, the they wrote around job. that NDA as yeah. best as any human being could possibly write around that NDA. But then today, Magic Leap just dropped, like, how many patent filings? I think it's seven, and I'm unclear. I'm never certain on what's an updated filing and what's like a thing that's just being published or whatever, but seven things were pinged in my updates today. Yeah. Seven patents and they're all about like optic optical projection. Yeah. So they revealed what the thing is today. Or they false flagged it and this actually has nothing to do with it. Oh, they just patented it because it, that this isn't it. Because it's actually magic. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know what it is. Because if you go back and read older coverage when they it's like over time they're getting more secretive. It is obviously little projectors in your eyes. It's obviously HoloLens because Kevin Kelly says it is. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. This so we this was the argument Eddie and I had earlier today. HoloLens is like a screen in front of your eyes. I think what they're doing is this this light field stuff, where they're actually making your eyes believe the light is coming from farther away. I mean, we're than gonna, a they're doing that with a projected screen. It's like it's a different method like the patents the way i vaguely interpret them as someone who doesn't know much about optics is that it's like it diffuses this it's still projecting a thing it goes through a waveguide um, which is like a bunch of lenses but hololens theoretically it's like okay it projects a flat screen under your eyes it looks good but it's perspective magically it can project it at different angles that will trick your brain into thinking it's at different focal lengths right so it's like the same fundamental technology it's just applied in a way that does something different but HoloLens doesn't fool your brain into different focal lengths. They they, right. they project a flat plane image. But they're and, using the same like fundamental method of like the fundamental technology. One of them is just using it to do something different. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't obviously used magically, but I've used HoloLens and like things that the, the holographs don't all look like they're the same distance, right? And like sure, they're using they might be using different tricks, but it's. It's not fundamentally like, oh, garbage. Like, it's like the only problem with HoloLens is that the field of view is too small. Right. Oh, and by the way, the CEO of Magic Leap, when the HoloLens came out, went and did a Reddit AMA where he was like, the HoloLens will burn your brain into, f into goop. So I was going back and reading that, and it also, like, does HoloLens use stereoscopic anything? Because I'm not convinced that it does. Because that's the weird thing with Magic Leap and the weird thing with Kevin Kelly's piece is that on the one hand, they're like, oh, this thing, you know, there's HoloLens, but this is better. But every time they directly compare it to something, it's either something like Google Glass, which obviously sucks, or it's to stereoscopic VR, which is a literal screen in front of your eyes. It's a totally different thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I mean, if you look at the, the few photographs, it seems like right now the thing is fixed. They can't move because everyone has their head in a thing. Um, so that was actually the informative piece of the follow-up thing, is that when they tried it in December, it was tethered. Right. Well, tethered to a computer. I, mean, I think it's fixed in place. Like, nobody even knows if it's a headset or if it's, like, right now a demo rack that you, like, put your face in, like, you're getting your teeth like, examined. Or you're going to the optometrist or something. Yeah. yeah. That, who knows? 
I mean, it, it all just sounds insane. My question is, there's no ship date, and they have said they don't even have a timetable to ship a thing. Yeah, it's like years out. Um, how are they going to... So why are they dropping all this hype right now? And how, how can you possibly... If you watch the demo videos, the demo videos are full of software that cannot exist. Like, just... They, it looks like you're in the world of a 1990s edutainment CD-ROM. Like, that's what it looks like. Like, I, I don't know how else to like describe a, like that. A, like that's a, cool a very... World. Huh? Is it a cool world? It's like an e-world? Cool world. What's cool world? A movie oh. from the 90s? No. I was okay. thinking of e-world, the failed online Apple online service from the 90s. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, you don't. It's like got cartoons that are like live in the real world. Okay, never mind. No, I don't, I don't know what this is either. Cool world. That's a, that's a Who Framed Roger Rabbit. No. <laughs> That'd be dope, though. Dude. If, if Magic Leap could give you Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I would live in the Magic Leap. I think the thing is that everything magically people are saying, which is like, it's like magic, it would sound really great if HoloLens didn't exist. Cool World right. knock off Roger Rabbit, by the way, if you're wondering. Got it. Okay. Like, as much as, you know, I hate the HoloLens's field of view and stuff, it already is these things, and HoloLens kind of is like magic. Right. Like, it's amazing. It's just that they keep describing this amazing thing that kind of already exists. It's like if you kept talking about this amazing moving picture thing yeah. in, like, the early 1900s. Yeah, I think that's that's, like, the problem. It's... Too much technology is too familiar to people. So when they are doing this like spirit journey vocab that they do, it's like, well, no, no, tell me how it works. Is it glasses? Is it is it glasses like Holland's? Is it is it a thing like the Rift? Is it what's the computer? What are the specs of the computer you need? And they want to do that Apple thing. Are you watching Cool? Yeah, right it now? stars Brad Pitt and Gabriel Byrne and Kim Basinger. Okay. I'm gonna watch this silently. Oh, and I'm while totally watching this. Um, I just I just think the audience is too too familiar with how technology works to get away with that bullshit. Yeah, but I also just, I don't know what they can do. If I were a company that got a ton of money and had some kind of crazy idea and evolved from like a transmedia comic book company, mm -hmm. um, as they did, and it was <laughs> like, then three months into everyone knowing about me, Microsoft announced a thing that seemed very, very similar to the thing that I was doing, and they were actually showing it to people. I don't know, and I knew I was like two years out because I'm not Microsoft. I don't know what I would do. Yeah, and I'm, and every indication is that Apple doesn't really care about VR so much as AR. So, I mean, like all the big players are going to show up at this door and try to make something great. And Ma I mean, Magic Leap's thing is that it seems to be focusing way more on entertainment than. I think Microsoft or any of the others, like they hired Neil Stevenson. They work with what a workshop. I think what a workshop, yeah. um, and they have all of these other crazy artistic people working for them and that all that, like if they were just focused on making like the best holographic entertainment of all time, I think they could maybe get away with that. But all the stuff they show is operating systems. Yeah. It's really weird. They, they show you like checking your email. They search Snapchats. It's like crazy. It makes no sense to me. It's like Google glass promo videos, like the original ones. A rough burn by Eddie Robertson. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've got five minutes left. Let's do it. Lightning round. Anyway, Magic Leap. Very confusing. I'm lost. Yeah. No, that's the thing. It's designed to lose you. Yeah. Like, you read these pieces, and they're like, everyone's like, it's like, it's like doing drugs, but you're sober. Granted, that's like, how people talk about VR, too. That's yeah, how people true. talk about any VR and AR thing. It is a unintentionally obfuscatory. Wow, that is the best word that's ever been said on the Vergecast. Yeah. Obfusc I can't. Op Obfuscatory, I think. Obfuscatory. Man, I'm so bad at high fives. All right, that lightning not, round. That was my fault, not your fault. Lightning round. Yeah. 400,000 Model 3 pre orders for Tesla. 
for a car that no one no one has actually seen the real interior of. Does it hack your no. brain? <laughs> it hacks your brain. Yeah. When you're in the Tesla Model 3, it's like you're on drugs, but you're sober. If they pull But you're off, dreaming while you're awake. If they pull off No one knows how the Tesla Model oh 3 God. works. <laughs> Sorry. But if you're they, in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> if they pull off selling this all sounds of good to me. these by the end of 20... What is, this thing is coming out Do you think they're in Fort Lauderdale just to make the employees work harder at escaping Fort Lauderdale through the magic of virtual reality? <laughs> <laughs> like you can only leave here if you build a completely virtual environment around you, dude. Like an inspiration technique, yeah, yeah. like a motivator. Yeah, it's less inspirational and more like punitive. But you know, this, they're the same. Fort Lauderdale's okay. You can only leave Fort Lauderdale if you build a complete. That's a that's a great movie. Like a like a hacker race movie. You're trapped in an awful environment, but you can only leave through the internet. I love it. And you have to turn your body into a series of bits. Player That's, one, yeah. Actually, yeah. it's technically the plot of Cool World. <laughs> but man, no one, no one can challenge, no one world. can fact check Dieter on this. By the way, <laughs> every movie is the plot of Cool World until someone watches the trailer. Uh, would you order pre-order Model Three? Uh, I have built my entire life around not owning a car, so no. But if I were ordering a car, and I had a couple of years to wait, and I was maybe planning to move in a couple of years, maybe it seems cool. That's crazy. You don't know what you're going to want in the future. Dieter? I would not because I don't believe that they're going to ship this on time. And that if you are pre-order number 399,999, you're not seeing your car till 2020. Unless, unless Tesla like shocks the world with their prowess at like actually manufacturing things at scale. Granted, yeah, I'm like the only one in this room who pre-ordered an Oculus Rift. So, and do you get yours? Yeah, yet? Where are you at on no, that? No, I'm in. Uh, I ordered within the first 20 minutes, and I'm in mid-May, I think. Yikes! So the what? point is, I'm willing Rough. to pre-order things for reasons that may not be great. What What's your favorite Oculus ship date conspiracy theory? Um, I like the Xbox one, the one that uh, Microsoft forgot to allocate all of the Xbox controllers. Uh, you You haven't heard this one? People are like comparing serial numbers. Yeah, I have. I, I should not comment. My wife works for Oculus. But I will say that, <laughs> guess what? I like this. Gotta I'm not saying I think Microsoft's it's true. I'm just saying I like it. pretty good at making enough controllers. They, they're like, you can go buy a, a Microsoft controller pretty easy. No, the theory their is that Oculus that they, is going to retail stores and buying controllers, right? Yeah, their argument was that they needed like giant batches of them and that Microsoft allocated all the giant batches somewhere else. And so they had to like go and try to cobble them together. Is this the massive amounts of Xbox Ones they're selling to unsuspecting yeah, that's what dupes? I'm saying, right? Like, they're, they're, it's not like there's somebody All right, else. This okay. is a lightning round. Phones that had headphone jacks. The first wave of them came out in China. Leco put out three phones with USB C jacks only. You need USB C headphones. I think this is a stupid idea, and a head headphone jack is fine. Agree. Yeah, it's miserable, but technically, I'm making my HTC One M8 into that, so I guess I can't talk. Because <laughs> you broke it. It's. I don't know what's wrong with it. It just. I have to turn the headphone jack really carefully so I can keep sound. Mm. Makes sense. Is that the headphones or the jack? Or the jack? It's. I probably drop my it's phone a, or no, something. I bet it's a solder point on the jack. I'm pro yeah. jack. It's be a big problem. I don't know anyone who doesn't want a headphone jack on their phone. I mean, like, it's just such a ubiquitous and piece like, why of take the option away? And also for stuff that's really expensive, like you can buy incredibly expensive headphones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Apple's going to do this on the next phone, and yep. they're going to have some reason about how they made it thinner. And it's even better quality. You're gonna, better, you're gonna get amazing sound because it's all digital all the way. Even no, this it's not. <laughs> it's fundamentally. Uh, 
You know, you know why? Because um, lightning makes no sound. <laughs> it does make a sound. <laughs> it makes a fucking sound. <laughs> it just why? Why do these things keep coming back in this way? <sighs> Xbox 360 production is over. That makes me sad a tiny little bit. Makes me sad, and I also it like worries me whenever of these whenever one of these things goes out of circulation. Like if I have a PC, I can play a game from nineteen eighty something or emulate it. Yeah. Like whenever something like this happens, like a little segment of games just withers and dies. Yeah. Although if you talk to Chris Crane, who's later at Polygon, he has like a totally re- reworked NES, like Nintendo Entertainment System. Like there's actually like crystal clear, and I don't think that it's like that generation of consoles has been reworked and redeveloped several times. I'm actually very worried about the sort of like 360 yeah. PS3 generation because they're just too complicated. And and we just don't have the same level of nostalgia that will drive us to do things with them. Hopefully oh, we will develop it. But I think there's a kind mm-hmm. of cachet to like, oh, I work with NES systems and I do crazy things with them. Yeah. And that no one necessarily feels that way about the 360 or at least no one who is really popular what was the what's the most iconic xbox 360 game gears of war yeah it's it's one of those two right everything else i'm thinking of is like cross-platform yeah what's the most iconic ps3 game uh halo (laughs) i've Um, never like an uncharted yeah i've never oh uncharted uncharted's a good one what's their like big exclusive franchise yeah but it's still, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that on the level, I'm going to get angry emails about this. I would not put Uncharted on the level of Halo. Oh, speaking of angry emails. Love an angry email. If you think that um, Google Play is superior to Spotify, no Google Play is superior to Spotify, email Neilai about it because now you can listen to the Vergecast on Google Play Music. You can. And the yeah. uh, icon looks like a pizza, <laughs> which is very, pizza. very nice. Um, so yeah, it's, that's a good transition. You didn't even know. Oh, well, okay. you did know because you might have to run it open. Last lightning round item. Kanye West. Unprecedented move. Reworking his already released album on streaming services just whenever he wants. Reworked it on Apple Music last week. So wild. I'm so glad I have a cassette version of the <laughs> original release. Really? On my desk. Yeah. Do you think that's like, do you, is that acceptable? It's, it's kind of like a weird idea. It's some George Lucas shit right there. It's really weird. Yeah. It's like, I don't even like know what to, it's crazy. He's doing a lot of things right now. Always talking about Kanye. Well, Not I mean, a moment goes by. I just had a really intense interview about him. Really? With who? Yeah. Um, a music say. writer that I'm interviewing for a story. I want to ask you a question. When you publish a story to Racked, yeah. how long has to elapse before you don't feel comfortable updating it? So if I publish a story to The Verge... Oh, if there's like... And, like, a, and there's some... There's like a TK or like, I'm going to go in there and... If, yeah. Well, TK's typos, like, I think those... You can fix those whenever. Yeah. Right? I publish a story and I'm like, oh, man, I wish I just deleted that sentence. And if it's the first three to five minutes, I'll be like, whatever, I can just like update it. Like no one's seen it yet. It's not yeah. part of the record. But it's more than five minutes. I start to feel really antsy. I'm like, if I update this story in this way, I got to go. I got to put an update at the bottom. Yeah. There's a correction. Da, da, da. I agree. Like a couple of minutes. Couple it's touchy. Minutes. That's really touchy. Right? Yeah. Kanye had that record out for like three weeks and he just went back and just changed it. But he doesn't have any like. It's not like someone's asking him to uphold an ethics policy. You know what I mean? Like, they, he doesn't well, owe anyone same, anything. It's just the nature of, like, digital media means that you can, yeah. and no one in music has ever thought that they should. I'm saying, yeah. yeah, it's the integrity of artistic artistic work. Right. That's why we keep talking about this man. I can't get rid of him. 
Because <laughs> he keeps doing stuff to talk about. Yeah. No, I think it's just crazy that the idea that he's like, this isn't a malleable thing. The idea that people are suing him because he tweeted that it would never be an Apple, and then it is, is amazing. Do you know this? There's like at yeah. least two class action suits against Kanye West because he tweeted that it would only ever be on Title and never on iTunes. Uh, so everyone signed up for Title and they put it out of it's I the got saddest. into that, the, the and I wound up paying for a month. It sucked because I, I did didn't not, cancel the, in time. If you didn't realize that after it was over and after the curve went down, but I didn't want to wait. I was like ready. I was you like, didn't right. wait. You bought it on cassette. But theoretically, <laughs> you didn't buy like it. Every game developer then, because the they this is it's not everything. coming to this platform. Oh, it is coming to this platform. Thing seems pretty much standard. Well, I've yeah. been looking to start a lucrative garbage class action lawsuit business. Yeah. It works. A really good, I can get um, every one of you twenty six cents and thirty percent off your next video game purchase if you give me millions of dollars in lawyer fees. There's a really good Planet Money or Freaking Amex podcast on class action from the past couple of weeks. You should listen to it. Go find yeah. it. You'll find it. Um, my take is the new reason to like buy music isn't to like have a library or feel like you own a thing or whatever. It's because you don't trust uh, streaming service fuckery. Yeah. Like I just I I I went looking for a song I want to listen to that was stuck in my head randomly. Uh, by uh, Ben Lee. It's an album called Breathing Tornadoes. Terrible. Not good. But like a couple of songs I really like uh, that were like were important to me way back when. Um, and it's just like not around. But I happened to have bought it and like uploaded it to like a Google Play locker so like I could listen to it. And I'm realizing that for stuff that I really, really like, I'm going to start buying it because I don't trust Apple or Spotify or Tidal or Google to like hang on to licenses for it in perpetuity. Yeah. And this is the argument for piracy. Yeah. That pirates Actually, will Carmen, preserve everything forever. Yep. Man, I gotta find this article. There was definitely an article when I was like, when Napster first started hitting in college, I read this article about this guy in New Jersey who had set up an entire room of his house because he had become inspired by the idea that he would, he alone would preserve the world's content. Yeah. And he was like running up these massive power bills and his wife was like, what are you doing upstairs? And he just had like tower PC after tower PC downloading everything that he could. Whoa. I got to find it. It's, it's like an ancient piece, but like there's like a, there's like a cabal of these people who believe this. It's amazing. Well, I think with books like this been proven absolutely worthwhile that like there are so many weird orphan works that no one is ever going to do anything with mm-hmm. and they just disappear. And right. Google books is actually an amazing service for this. Yeah. Um, they won. Well, they, they won by default. Default. Um, the Supreme... It's a really bad Simpsons reference. Uh, the Supreme Court didn't take up the Google Books case. So Google just wins. Hmm. Oh, yeah, things been going on for like a decade. Yeah. So the Authors Guild sued Google about scanning 10 million books for Google Books. It got all the way to Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, whatever. Basically, yeah. Google's fine. Yeah. And notably, like, you cannot access these anywhere. Their whole argument is... Like, you can look at them in libraries that have the book. Right. Or you can, like, get them with some kind of, if the author agrees to put them up or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they were upset about just the scanning of it. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Um, Google won their Google, well, won. Default won their Google Books case the same week that the EU cracked down on them for Android. I'm sure they would prefer the Android win over the Google Books win. Okay. That was a chance. Dieter, do you want to run through our engagements? You can follow us in all sorts of places. On Snapchat, we're Verge. Uh, you should uh, rate us five stars on iTunes. Uh, you will also find other lovely uh, Verge podcasts. You will find What's Tech with Chris Plant. 
You'll find Verge ESP with Emily Oshida and Elizabeth Lopato. Uh, and you can also find other uh, other great Vox Media podcasts. Recode's got a couple of great podcasts. They've got a, what have they got? They got Recode Decode, Kara Swisher. There's a Recode Media. That's Peter very good. Kafka. And there's also Too Embarrassed Ask. Too Embarrassed Ask with, uh, with Lauren Good. And special guests on all those shows. It's always really fun to listen to. Uh, on Verge, on Twitter. We're on TheVerge.com. We're on Twitter. We're at Verge. Yeah. We're in some other places, too. Uh, and we're on uh, Google Play now. That's a podcast, so you should go check us out there if uh, you're a Google, Google Play, Play Music, user. the best music service out there. They did it. It looks like a pizza. Also, I'm just going to say this. Yeah. Next week on The Verge, going to be bonkers. You you're are like going it. to lose your mind. If you're a VergeCast listener, you want to go check out what's happening on TheVerge.com on Monday. Um, you're going to like it. It's going to be great. Just, I'm just going to I'm going to give a hint. Can I give one no. hint? One hint. All right, fine. I'm buying a neon sign. Yeah, it's true. It's a good hint. Is that it? Paul. Paul. Rock and roll. Goodbye.